every day someone is thinking about an anniversary of someone who is gone now, you know, and just to be just to be really more kind and compassionate to people overall. But that also really hit me that they're going on all the time. Like there's loss around us all the time. And just to be more aware of that and get out of your own bubble. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. (laughs) We may call them soft skills, but... They are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Have you ever crashed a funeral to hear stories about the person who's passed? Do you have the courage to challenge yourself to do something risky? When was the last time you did a random act of kindness? Well, my guest today, Alyssa Clark, certified speaking professional, is an expert in leadership and influence. She's helped thousands around the world break through the barriers to boost profitability, improve productivity, and increase team cohesion. Not your average speaker, Allison consistently challenged both her audiences and herself daily. For over five years and counting, Allison carries out daily acts of kindness with strangers, colleagues, friends, and family. She's completed the grueling Tough Mudder race, ran a marathon, skydived, and ridden an ostrich once, all while running her consulting business and being the best possible mother of two young women. Known for dance parties in parking lots, workshops at funeral homes, and spontaneous meetings with execs in unique offsite locations, Allison walks her talk. Ranked a top 25 master trainer in the world of Dale Carnegie Corporation, Allison spent 16 years fostering and witnessing astonishing transformations, the foundations upon which she built Allison Clark Consulting. To demonstrate the power of appreciation, Allison began to teach and exemplify intentional acts of daily kindness. Her second book, The Kindness Habit. Five Steps to Maximize Your Happiness and Impact is a resource designed to improve workplace culture, strengthen relationships, soothe stress, and infuse positivity into every office, home, and community. For over two decades, she's developed leaders in various industries by helping them become conscientious of their words, thoughts, and actions. She believes that every problem in business is a people problem. Can I get an amen on that? Allison has developed effective leaders in a broad range of industries. Her clients include Intel, Dignity Memorial, Fred Meyer, Dick Hanna Dealerships, Transamerica, and hundreds more. 
These diverse organizations have one belief in common. They know the company's success depends on the people's success. Allison was president of the Oregon National Speakers Association and served at the national level. In 2016, she earned her CSP, Certified Speaking Professional, a designation that's based on criteria only 12% of speakers worldwide have able to meet. She has been a longtime volunteer and ambassador with the Children's Cancer Association. I'm here to attest that Allison does walk her talk. Kindness, leadership, courage, and challenges herself every single day. Follow her on Facebook and LinkedIn, and you'll see that she walks her talk. Before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually in-person and on-site at your location or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Allison Clark. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Oh, man, <laughs> this is going to be a real low energy kind of, of, of interview. Not <laughs> one bit. Uh, I'm so excited to have Allison Clark uh, be a guest on my podcast because uh, energy is all spelled in capitals in her world. <laughs> and she's, it's bright and early in Oregon. Is it Portland, Oregon that you reside in? Yeah, actually, I just moved to Bend, Oregon, but yes. Bend, Oregon. Yep. And so it's bright and early there. And I don't even think she drinks coffee. I don't think she even needs to drink coffee. She, she just needs a cowbell and then off running she goes. So, Allison, thank you very much for being on my podcast, Bright and Early in Bend, Oregon. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited, Peter. I know we we met three years ago. Alan, time's flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were part of the chapter leadership committee of NSA, and I was a newly appointed president elect, I believe, of the Ohio chapter. And yep. that's how we met. And you were actually leading that chapter, the the, the committee at the. Time. I was yes, yes, yes. Yeah. we got to run the session. Uh, yes. And I've always wanted to ask you this question because I mentioned it already about cowbells. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that all start with, with your fascination? I'll yes. use that word, fascination. fascination. <laughs> <laughs> with um, cowbells. Exactly. So my background was Dale Carnegie training. And I was with mm-hmm. Dale Carnegie training for 16 years. 
And in our classes, after people would do their two-minute talks, we would use the old school bell like this and we would ring it and then people would be finished. Well, when... See, oh, you have one too. Good. So we always use bells to get people's attention. And so I did that for so many years. It just made sense to get people's attention. But when I started my own company 10 years ago, I really wanted to kick it up a notch. And I love the Saturday night skit. You know, we need more cowbell. It's still like, I can watch it today. I've watched it hundreds of times. It so makes me cry laughing, like watching the other people in the scene, trying not to laugh. I mean, it's just hysterical. And also most people know that. Um, most people know the this, this skit. So I always yeah. tell my, my groups, it's like, hey, I'm going to be controlling you, controlling you with cowbell today. And everyone's like, oh, we need more cowbell. <laughs> so I use it really to get people's attention, especially with larger groups as I do bigger training and keynotes. And then I also have done a lot of different running events like um, Head to Coast is a big event in Oregon. It's, it's the longest relay race, almost 200 miles where you start at Mount Hood and then you run all the way down to the beach. Well, during this, they, they would ring cowbell just to encourage you know, runners. So every running event that I've done, cowbell really brings a lot of energy. And then I also got to go to the Olympics in Vancouver in mm-hmm. not to participate, but to watch um, in 2010. And actually, I got my very own cowbell there. And just I saw the power of cowbell to really encourage people. And so for me, when I think of cowbell, it's encouragement, it's energy. And, you know, it's funny with Siren Live. So I use it really with purpose to get people's attention. But I just love cowbell, as you know, because I sent you a cowbell. Yes, yes. I, I've got it <laughs> right here. <laughs> and this was given, uh, she sent it to me because our chapter did something really pretty cool. And we were voted chapter of the month. And she sent this box of cowbells and all, this, all these. Uh, I still have the microphone. And, and oh, good, and your I, microphone award. Yeah, yeah, yeah still, 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 still have all that stuff. But I, I love but, but you're right. When you think of cowbell, one, you go to, most people go to Saturday night. Yep. And, and you know, need more cowbell, but it, mm-hmm. it is inspiring. It, I can, I can, well, you just, you just completed, I believe, was it a hundred days of running or something? Yeah. So I'm one of those people, if I hear about something, I'm very curious. I'm like, I have to do that. So <clears throat> one of my friends uh, was over, we were one of my neighbors came over and she's like, yeah, I just did a hundred miles in 30 days. And I was like, what is that? So she just said, you either have to run or walk a hundred miles in 30 days. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I am going to do that. So actually I started in April and this was kind of fun because during this time, uh, we really have to focus on what we can control. So with everything being out of control, I just thought like I can control exercising for a hundred miles in 30 days. So I actually started in April and I did it for five months because then I wanted to do 500 miles. The Proclaimer song, I would run 500 miles. I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was great, but I put it out on LinkedIn and it was fun because then other people, I'm like, hey, who wants to play with me? And then it was really fun to get accountability partners to be able to do that. So I love, I love like goals, but also fun goals that you can share with other people. So yes, I did. Actually, I was going to send you a note and go, I'm not a runner because my my knees don't really work that mm-hmm. well on pavement, but I'm a biker. I, li- I like to cycle. Oh, you can thinking, bike too. I was just thinking, well, 100 miles on a bike in a month is not that hard to achieve. So what's the, what's the conversion rate from miles to biking miles? Right. You know, I've had some biker friends either do two miles or three miles per mile. Mm. So it kind of depends on what you do. But I think the, the whole point is just like move your body. Yeah. So whether that is, you know, stretching with yoga or running or walking or biking, just like 
moving is so important right now. Right, because the 19 and COVID-19 stands for the minimum amount of weight you'll gain during this period of time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't it have been COVID-5? Right. Uh, <laughs> you the name. <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, you do have a, a, a wide variety of talents. You're an author. Yes. You've written two books. Mm-hmm. And uh, your very first book intrigues me. Mm. It was, it was different. <laughs> what What will they say? 30 funerals in 60 days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Help me. Tell me what. Yeah, I know. I, I, I mean, I've read the background on it and, mm-hmm. and, and why you did it, but I want to know more. Yes. Well, I'm, you know, I'm going to blame the National Speakers Association because my very first conference, you can probably relate to this. I show up, you know, and I'm meeting people and they're like, what do you speak on? What's your book on? I'm like, I don't have a book. And they're just like, what? Book, And I was like, oh, okay, I need a book. And so I, you know, for years I've coached people to set goals, to show appreciation, you know, to have meaningful relationships. And so, and I've, like I said, if I hear something I, and I'm intrigued by it, I want to check it off my list. So I have a hundred things I want to do in my life Uh, before I die. I call it a live list instead of Mm. a a bucket list because while I'm alive, I want to do these things. And so I was flying on a plane. I was actually checking off five other states and it just hit me. I'm like, the only way that you can truly tell how someone's lived their life is going to a funeral. And some people might say like, well, they only say like, you know, the nice things. And I said, I get that, but you can tell the energy. You can tell who shows up at the funeral, uh, what they say. So I just started asking people like, what do you think if I went to... 30, I crashed 30 funerals in 60 days. And most people would look at me and be like, actually, you know, I think that's kind of brilliant. <laughs> you know? Like, okay. So then I reached out to the funeral industry and I started talking to them, you know, just about ideas. And then they just told me like the best way is probably just to read the obituaries and decide who you go to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I would read the obituaries and I would, I mean, sometimes I did two a days, like I would go to two funerals in one day. And I was, uh, I would just sit in the back and I would absorb what that person's life meant to other people, you know, and, and it was really powerful. People asked me, wasn't that depressing? And I thought it, like, I cried at probably seven of them because I wished I would have known them, mm. but I, I was always inspired when I left. Cause it's like, we're still alive. And I also think during this time, it's really important to remember the human connection is needed more today than ever. You know, loneliness is at an all-time high, depression, suicide. And so going to these funerals really made me think that I don't think these people knew how much influence they actually had. Because so often people would start off like, I never told Bob that, Mm. you know, and it's like, so it's like to tell people now how you feel about him. So it was was actually a really fascinating, I wish it could be a movie because I wish that someone could have been there with me because you didn't know what was going to happen. Like I'd open up the church or the funeral doors and I'd be like, okay, what's going to happen at this funeral? So it was, it was fascinating. It made me think differently about life and about mentorship and volunteering and getting involved in your community uh, because of your life matters so much to other people. Wow. That's, um, that's pretty incredible. Uh, so you said you cried at, at seven of them because mm-hmm. you, you wish that you knew them mm-hmm. and, and, it, and 
Did you at any point did, during this did anybody come up and ask who you were, what what part, what side of the family you're on, and you just went, "I'm a funeral crasher," but I just, <laughs> I just I'm I'm here because I'm 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 learning and right, yeah. So it's interesting. So out of thirty, how many how many do you think asked me? Oh, um, twenty nine. Okay. So here's the reality. When we die, which we're all going to die, mm-hmm. you do not know who's going to show up at your funeral because right. you don't know who you've influenced. It could be someone that works at Starbucks that you're always kind to, you know, that might want to come to your funeral. You, have, you really don't know who's going to come. So there were a couple awkward times. There was one where the woman was 104 and a half and a half. And a half. And there, there were 10 of us there. And so... That was awkward because people just kept kind of turning around like, who is she? But they didn't ask me. Mm. So I just smiled and, you know, went on my way. Mm. And then I had, it was an all Vietnamese service. And I was the only um, person who was not Vietnamese. And so they came up and they just said, hey, can we help you? And and then I did say, um, I'm actually, you know, observing. It's beautiful. And they didn't mind. And then there was a, there were just two other ones where people actually asked me. And one of them, so then I started getting text messages from my friends like, hey, you know, a friend of mine died. Do you want to go to the funeral? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, so I actually could say like, it was actually a friend of a friend who invited me here. But, you know, it's just people don't know who's going to show up. So they mm-hmm. didn't, you know, and I didn't like crash the after party. I would only be there. Right. I'd observe. I'd sit in the back and then I would leave. Mm-hmm. I'd go to my car and immediately just think of what was one, what, what, what was one action that they did that we all could do. To, to live a, a better life, but also a more meaningful life with other people. And it's simple things like um, teaching someone your favorite recipe. You know, like we heard a lot about uh, recipes that were passed down and, you know, celebrations and meals and taking the time to go to the conference, you know, of, of their, the stepfather who always made time for his stepchildren. So it was really doing the small things that matter. And I, I, do, I imagine that had a major impact on your life moving forward after having gone to these 30 funerals in 60 days. And, it really and, and did. Both. You know, and also, so then I, I started training the funeral industry. So Dignity Memorial is one of my clients. I worked with them mm-hmm. for about five years. And then I had a whole, I have a whole different appreciation for that industry, how kind and passionate they are because it's the last opportunity to really serve that family member. Mm-hmm. But also I was clueless. And I think a lot of people are clueless. We're in a different space now because the funerals don't look the same now because they have to be socially safe. <laughs> but back when I did this, if you were to drive by a church, you know, let's say on a Wednesday at 10 o'clock and the parking lot's packed, most likely that was a funeral. And I was kind of in my own world and I never really paid attention to that. So, you know, and I think it's also really important to remember that every day someone is thinking about an anniversary of someone who is gone now, you know, and just to be, just to be really more kind and compassionate to people overall. But that also really hit me that they're going on all the time. Like there's loss around us all the time. And just to be more aware of that and get out of your own bubble. So I have, I've attended, I've attended a lot of funerals and, and you know, I, I leave and I go, I need to do some things differently, mm-hmm. but where, where, where's the challenge? I get back stuck in that rut again mm-hmm. mm. and I don't think about it again or mm-hmm. I do, but I, I, I haven't given it the weight that it needs mm-hmm. for me to 
actively change my lack of better term, change my mindset and start looking at things differently. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think what you did, you've ingrained that into you because of the repetition amount of it mm-hmm. that it's, it has stuck with you. And you keep using this one word. It's a four-letter word, kind, mm-hmm. kind. And we're not talking about the, the bar, the energy bar kind. About about kind and and your second book, the kindness habit, mm-hmm. five steps to maximize your happiness and impact. I mean, you, you are very much you're coming from a place of being completely authentic because you are very kind. Mm. Well, thank you. We were at the CSP summit last year in December, mm-hmm. uh, and it happened to be my birthday. Mm-hmm, I remember. And. Out of all the people that I knew there, you were the only one that came up and bought me a cocktail. Thank you very much again. You're welcome. And you, you, you and Anna saying happy birthday to me. Mm-hmm. Now that was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was I'm like, wow. Okay, that was nice. <laughs> but, but I also follow you on social media, and then. I, th- I remember at one point in time you were leaving candy bars and bottles of water and stuff out in front of your house for the UPS drivers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, have have you have you always been this kind, or were you you've always been kind, but you've now taken it to a whole new level? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny, yeah, because I, I wrote the book five years ago, and I joke with people. I say like I was nice before five years ago, <laughs> but I am more intentional now. So every single day for five years, I've done a kind act. And a kind act could be as simple as holding the door for someone mm-hmm. or writing a kind review for a company you know, on Yelp or on Google. So it doesn't have to be that you buy something for someone. But what I found is when I wrote the book, doing some research, that how much it affects you and your own mindset and your energy. Like when you give to someone else. When you do a kind act for someone, there's first a dopamine release in your own brain, but then also what it does to your attitude. So selfishly, like I like I mentioned, I just moved to Bend, Oregon. And I put a, and I still do, I still give ma- mail carriers and I have, I haven't set it up here yet, but I do set up a station, a hydration station, as well as putting granola bars and kind bars out for the delivery drivers. Because during, I mean, I I used to just do it during the holidays. Like I'd start in November and put it out because they work so hard. But now with COVID, like they're working, there's so many people who just shop online. They're working so hard. And then also with the fires in Oregon, being more uh, sympathetic to the people still working out there. So for an example, with my mail carrier here in Ben, when it was really smoky, I left him a gift certificate and a bottle of water in the mailbox. And I just said, thank you so much for working in the smoke. We appreciate it. Well, this was fun and I don't do it to get a response back, Mm -hmm. but he wrote me on the back of an envelope. He's like, thank you so much for the water and um, the gift certificate. And he wrote his name, Sean. Well, here's the reality. Like now I know that his name is Sean. I think all of us should know what our mail carrier's name is. I think any delivery person that you see a lot, we should know what their name is. And thank them and see them as humans and how they help us. So getting in the habit of thanking people who make your life better, not only helps them, but it helps you just live a life of more gratitude. Like you, you have to be more aware of why am I so grateful today and who made my life better? And it's, it's people that I think a lot of people take for granted. 
the trash people. I always give, you know, instead of just like the holiday tipping them yeah. in December, like I give them at least quarterly, I would put out something fun for them. You know, it normally includes a gift card, uh, bottled water, you know, like some sort of granola bars, just some sort of snack they could have. But like, think about if we didn't have trash people, you know, like they make our life so much better. Um, so yeah, I just, I really got in the habit of it. And then also there's research behind businesses with productivity, you know, loyalty. When you treat people well, they will stay for you, which is going to save you a lot of money, but also people who feel appreciated are going to do better work for your company. It just makes sense. But a lot of people take people for granted, you know, at work, but also at home. I think that's why a lot of, I mean, I, I got divorced and that was a, one of the reasons, you know, like I didn't feel appreciated. I feel like that's also a reason why relationships fail is because of appreciation. Uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, I saw a stat once that 73% of people who leave their job leave because of lack of appreciation. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. A, simple, and a simple thank you. Is exactly. Right. Uh, and... Um, I, I've never under, I've never understood it. Why, when we hire people, yeah, there's going to be attrition, or there's some. We've all made bad hires, but the overall attitude of a culture of an organization is we don't trust you. Uh, I, I still remember, you know, oh, we can never. I, I never do that. Have people work at home? I don't know what they're doing. Whoa! Why don't you try trusting them first? Oh yes. Oh, and by the way, now we we threw everybody working from home, mm-hmm. and then they then they find out, well, this is actually working really well. Exactly. <laughs> weird. Right. Weird. Yes. You know, I read an article that productivity is forty percent higher, forty percent stayed the same, and only twenty percent has dropped down since this time when people are actually working at home. So, you know, productivity, because if you think about an office environment, how many distractions there are, there are distractions at home too. But I think it's interesting. You're right. It goes back to like trusting the people that they're getting their job completed. And also we're seeing some cases where it's actually going up. Trusting. And also you said your your main thing that when you speak is about communication Mm -hmm. and the ability to communicate effectively to another person and not assuming that they know what they think that you know, that you know, that they think that you should know, you know, right. (laughs) Did you know? (laughs) You know, and and taking that, and taking that time to sit and make sure that they understand what you're trying to communicate to them versus giving them 5% and you come back, well, this isn't right. Well, exactly. And maybe now that we're having to do more of that and we we're not running per se from meeting to meeting or those other distractions in an office. Maybe maybe management's gotten better about communicating during this during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Maybe ever before. Yep. Well, and those companies who are thriving are communicating. They have to communicate. They have to be able to use tools like this to turn on Zoom to see the the people's faces. Right. Because without that human connection, you're really missing a lot for the communication part. But really staying in touch with your teams is key to success right now because you don't walk by people's desks anymore. Right. So you have to be able to still stay connected and let those people know, you know that they are still making a huge difference and you appreciate them. Absolutely. And, and also understanding that we've thrown them into an environment that they're not accustomed to. Uh, we're giving them tools that they're not used 
I mean, there's still some bad Zoom etiquette out there that we mm-hmm. forget. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but having the patience with them versus you're going to do this. Oh, why'd you let? You know, why'd you? Why'd you leave your cat in there? Why'd you? Well, that's just what happens these days. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a cat, and it goes back to being kind. Mm-hmm. Oh, for and, sure. And 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 when I hear the word kind, and, and I'm going, okay, so. I think in order to be kind in the genuine sense and show gratitude, you've got to set your ego aside. And that is so hard because the bigger the, I I just wrote a, uh, I'm doing some solo cast now and I've got one coming up about let go of my ego. Mm. And about, because if we don't, it becomes very, over <laughs> there's healthy egos, you know, and then there's overdeveloped, borderline narcissistic or full blown narcissism, mm-hmm. and and you look at those companies, uh, uh, like Uber, it was Uber, it was Papa John's, and it was the CEO of 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 Wells Fargo mm-hmm. that the products were fine, mm-hmm. their egos got in the way and almost killed the companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can't separate that, you're, you're not, you're creating a very toxic culture. And in those toxic cultures, you are not kind at one bit. Right. No, for sure. No, any culture when one person is taking all the credit is <laughs> not going to work out very well. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Maybe yeah, taking all the credit and not taking any of the blame and pushing the blame oh, off yeah, exactly. to others. Yeah. Yep. That's not a very healthy culture. Period. Mm-hmm. No. No. So how do you how, how do you change them? How do you get people to be kind? How do you get people to be kind and and to, to drop their ego? How do you how do you show more gratitude? Is and, and I mean, if there's a point in time that we need more gratitude shown, mm-hmm. it's during this time and maintaining that habit mm-hmm. as we as we continue to move forward. For sure. I do believe that, and I haven't read any statistics on this, but I do believe that people are grateful now for things that we used to take advantage for. You and I were chatting before this call with the fires in Oregon. I never appreciated air. And so like being able to, we were, some people had to stay in their house over 11 days. In this area, we were in a house for seven days because of hazardous air. It's like, I've never appreciated air before. So now when I go outside, I take deep breaths and be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I can breathe. So that's a really extreme. But I think also people took um, people for, you know, we take, we take advantage of people. We don't really appreciate them. So I feel like this time has made everyone slow down. It's made people spend time with people in their house more than they ever have, good or bad. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're going to have to start looking at things <laughs> differently. Um, and then also just being grateful so many people are being affected differently in different ways. Like they've lost everything, you know, during this time, maybe they've lost all their financial support. Uh, they could have lost their homes, you know, so it's mm-hmm. just being grateful every day for what you have today. So it's, it really is a, a, a mindset exercise. And I read a book called a thousand thank yous. I was trying to see if I had it mm-hmm. in my bookcase, but this guy has a cup of coffee in New York. And he's drinking the cup of coffee. He actually wrote a, he did a TED talk around it too. And he is drinking the coffee. He thanks the barista. And then he's like, you know what? I want to go deeper. Like I want to figure out like where the coffee came from and who made the cup. So he thanked a thousand people and like went down for the person who made the pallets. 
But during this time, he just was grateful for the small things that made his cup of coffee possible. So I think also if you go deeper, but in this book, one idea that I grabbed, which I do quite often, I just was doing it last night, is you do an alphabet gratitude. So what you do is daily, you think about something you're grateful for every letter of the alphabet. So A, error, you know, like B, I'm so grateful for my business. C, my cat, Charlie, (laughs) whatever it might be, but changing it daily, like today, what were you grateful for? And so some of my clients, when they say they can't sleep, I say, try this exercise. And now a lot of people do it to try to get to sleep. And like, I can't make it past N now. I'm like, see, it works. But I used to do it like in traffic or, you know, on airplanes, which I haven't been on an airplane since (laughs) March. So I don't do it then, but it's getting in, you know, and it's kind of a fun game to play with, um, your family, friends. I do it with my clients, like as a warm up. but just the alphabet gratitude game makes you intentional, you know, and like Z, a lot of people are like, I'm grateful for zebras. I'm like, are you? You love zebras, you know? <laughs> then one person was like, zippers. And I was like, yes, yes, true. <laughs> like, think about if we didn't have a zipper, you know, have you ever been like, grateful for a zipper? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now you will be. <laughs> right. And so I always, and I do this myself. It's like, write And actually writing down mm-hmm. has a different reaction with your brain. Even if you did it, write down five things you're grateful for every day, get in that habit. And it, it has a huge impact on your attitude, how you show up, how you see other people, and also being grateful for other people around you. You know, like who is making your life better today? Right. I, that's, a, that's a great point. Uh, a friend of mine wrote a book called Gratitude Marketing. Mm. And one of the things he was, he was a financial advisor for many years, guy named, by the name of Mike Scorantino. He, uh, every day he would write three thank you notes, handwritten thank you notes, and would send it to three of his clients, cus, uh, prospects, people. And he consistently did that every single day. And here's what I've learned about myself, because I can, I can get into these habits. Mm-hmm. But once I miss that day, mm. I have a hard time getting back into it because I was doing the same thing three three a day. First thing I get up, boom, and something happened in my life. And I, oh, no, forgot to do it. <laughs> and now I, I, I did. Um, um, Dan Thurman came to our chapter, mm-hmm. and I love him. I love him. He's great. And he was juggling. I'm like, oh my god, it's been like thirty years since I juggled. So I started juggling every single. Oh my gosh! Uh, I I got up to I think at one point uh, three hundred and ninety times without dropping the ball, and then I didn't drop the ball. I missed the day, mm. and I I, I I I still have my, but I haven't. I got out of that habit, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's really important to maintain that. And and work on your own. Okay, you screwed up. You missed one. Just jump back on. Get back on. Mm-hmm. Do it. Yeah. Well, and that's that's human. Like we are not perfect. We are human. One of my favorite quotes is, "One day or day one, you decide." So one day you could do it, or mm-hmm. today I'm going to start. You know, because so many people say like, "Oh, well, one day I'm going to I'm going to try to juggle again." You know, mm-hmm. or Peter, today you could actually start juggling again, you know? So it's just like, it's a choice every day, how we wake up. Like, what do you want to do today? We have 
all dropped habits that are healthy mm-hmm. for us, you know, and picked up bad habits, you know, for, and not, no human that I know has never picked up a bad right. habit. Let's be honest. Right. You know? right. right. Um, but it's, it's cool because every day we get to choose how we live, what we do. So even if you used to do something that really worked mm-hmm. well, and you're like, I should do that again, start today. Like it's, you can do whatever you want. That's the cool thing about life. Like every day is an opportunity mm. to, to do something different. That's a very good point. That, that is a very good point. And, and I think I, I wanna... people put like too many expectations on themselves. You know, it's just like, well, I, I missed a day, so I'm not going to do it. It's like, no, I'm do it again. You know, <laughs> you have to be kinder to yourself and just pick it up again. Yeah. I, and with the, with the juggling, I did. I, I, I started that day. Okay, we're going start to the, start the habit again. But yeah, somehow I got sidewinded on, on it. I, I, I do want to go back and, and vi- revisit something you said earlier yeah. about when you wrote the book. Uh, the kindness and here's here's what I, I've and you said something it helped raise the awareness the, the daily awareness to being kind and and you you were more you became not kinder but you had a higher uh, uh, thought process as it relates to kindness and it becomes baked into your DNA and you become very sensitive when you see things so there is a curse to writing books. <laughs> Because it stays in our brain. It's, it's, it stays in our brain. And we see a lot of things that people are doing that we're out there trying to make that change. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, I have found that it, that it has created a little bit of a, of, of a mental curse mm-hmm. that it's like we've talked about this. And things are still happening in a certain way. And and I think I, I know I become hypersensitive around certain things mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to the, some topics that, that have been in my book. Have you become hypersensitive to some things since writing the book uh, five years ago? I would use the word more accountable to myself. So okay. if I have written a book on being kind and I am not demonstrating being a kind mm-hmm. person, and that is, I'm going to lack integrity. That's going to affect my reputation. So it almost like pushed me to, it's like, you have to live what you coach other people. And during this time, you know, when, when I lost like you, like all of our business was gone because those professional speakers and trainers that just happened, you know, in this, in this space. And so I had to demonstrate what I had taught my clients. So I had to remain positive. I had to take care of myself. I had to control that yes, I can walk 100 miles in 30 days as I'm starting to rebuild my business. I can be kind during this time. I can Mm. pet roses in my yard and go give them to my neighbor who needed them that day. So to be more accountable to yourself. And on my license plate, I got the license plate rim and it says, be kind, do one kind act a day. And so when I'm in, if I go through a drive-through, I'm like, you have that on your car, Allison. And I would say... (laughs) 50% 50% of the time or more, I pick up the tab behind me because I'm thinking about this person staring at my car like, oh, that's a good idea. Then I'm like, I want to show them that I'll do this. you know. So it makes me even more accountable to what I said I was going to do. So yes, we think about it more, but I think that's a good thing because if we are passionate and we're coaching our clients to do something, then we have to live and have current examples you know, every day of what we've done to actually do this. I, yes, absolutely. Um, and I've had a lot of people ask me, so how have you maintained your sanity? Mm-hmm. I said, I have, I have an improviser's mindset. And they go, what is that? I said, well, I can't do anything about yesterday, can I? 
Uh, and in this environment, the, our landscape is changing on a daily basis. So I have to be, I have to be able to adapt to that daily change. If not, same thing. Oh yeah. Uh, I think, oh, really? So it's it's interesting that yes, we 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 talked, we walked the talk, mm-hmm. um, and we have to mm-hmm. to to a higher degree. But then we're also setting examples. Exactly. Yep. And as we we've gone through this conversation, I just want to say that you're probably one of the most you by far are one of the most perfect leader that I've met, and I'll. And it goes to a quote that I've heard. I, I won't, I won't tell you who, who I heard it from, but they said, leadership has nothing to do with your title, or your authority. Leadership is the positive effect you have on another person. Mm. So in that context, by far, you're a very strong leader you. because you have a, you purposely, have a positive effect on people. And that makes you by far one of the top leaders in the world. In my my mind. Right. Well, thank you so much. And that quote came from Simon Sinek. I heard it in an interview that it, and and I've I've taken that, I've tried to take that to heart as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, kindness goes a long way. Mm -hmm. It really does. And that kind of goes back to my funeral crashing we saw, I saw the positive impact that all these people had in other people. And that mm-hmm. truly is leadership. I tell all my clients that you don't have the title of like, you're a manager and then you're a leader. I'm like, every single person is a leader. I've been passionate about that my whole life and I've seen it. And you're absolutely right because the way we treat people, the way we lead people, even the way we, we lead people's minds, you know, your podcast is all about the mindset, mm-hmm. changing our own mindset, but also having the influence to change other people's mindset giving a person a compliment that maybe they've never heard before that totally changes the way they feel about themselves, that Mm -hmm. switches the way that they see themselves. We have the power to do that. It's free and it's powerful. Absolutely. And we all should be doing this every single day. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And like I said, selfishly, it makes me feel good. You know, it's just like, I like being kind to people because it, it gives me energy. Uh, yes, and I, I love I love making people laugh. I love making people smile. And yes, there's a little self serving there because it makes me feel good, but also right. it makes them it makes them feel better. Exactly. Yes. Wow. Uh, I am so. I'm. I could. We could talk for hours. I am so <laughs> happy that that I was able to get on your calendar and, and interview you because it, it has been on my mind to contact you for a while. And um, I, one day I went. You know, I'm looking out. I got called out. I call. Well, I was so excited that you reached out. Thank you. And I, I can't really go let let you go yet because one last thing that everybody needs to know that you too are a podcaster, mm-hmm. and the, the title of your podcast is Cowbells and Conversations. <laughs> <laughs> and where can they find uh, your podcast? So you can just go to YouTube and enter Cowbells and Conversations. And then also I have a Facebook page. I have a couple Facebook pages, but if you want to follow my kind acts, it's called The Kindness Habit. And so I post kind acts on that. I'll post articles about kindness. And then on LinkedIn, I'm also very... Um, I post quite a bit just on articles and, and different ideas for people to do that. And anything that affects them 
in a more positive way at work. So search her out on all social media and she spells her last name C-L-A-R-K-E. Yes, thank you. Yes. And I've been following her for for a few years and um, follow her. I'm just going to say, there's a lot of good stuff that, that she posts so and that she does. And thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. And I hopefully someday, hopefully next year in July, we'll all be able to reconvene at Influence mm-hmm. and, and in person. Yes. Uh, let's hopefully it's at least by then. Cross our fingers. Yes. Cross our fingers. <laughs> Thank you so very much, Allison. I greatly Thank appreciate you your so time. so much for having me, guest. It was so fun this morning. <laughs> it was. from smiling. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> I want to thank Allison for her time and sharing her leadership philosophy with my audience. During this pandemic, we all need to take Allison's advice and be kind to others. I challenge you all to do one random act of kindness every single day. It will reward you more than you could ever ever imagine. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Also, please subscribe and share this podcast episode with a friend. I'll conclude with an improv quote that is fitting for this interview. Status is what you do to someone, not what you are. Have a great day. Be safe. Stay healthy. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.